Hey, good morning, all. Welcome to the Common Good Podcast. It's uh, Wednesday, February 22nd. My voice, Dan, sounds real like, man, you just woke up. <laughs> like you, you know, woke up on the other side video, of the planet. Like, what are you doing, floating out in the middle of the ocean? Well, uh, I am normally, you know, I'm coming to you from Minneapolis, Minnesota, but today from the island of Maui in the great state of Hawaii. And uh, where I am right now, it's uh, it's 6.08 a.m. And uh, just woke up and actually trying to be a little quiet because I'm in this house where uh, other people are sleeping and I have no idea like how loud it is uh, right now. Um, so, but it's still dark out behind me. I would show you the beauty of the, uh, of the ocean and all. And, uh, you know, we like to talk about the forecast around here. Um, I opened up my weather app today and where I am now, well, the forecast is just nothing but, uh, nothing but lovely with a little concern for a high surf advisory. And uh, mm. if you're watching on the video, you can maybe see that I got the phone with the high surf advisory, but where I live, uh, in Minnesota, it's a winter storm advisory. Uh, so I feel terrible uh, about the fact that uh, yeah, you're about this, to this get is a Minnesota with guilt thing. Like a record two feet of snow is what they're saying for your area. So apparently it has started uh, when <laughs> when the warning says an additional 17 inches expected. You know you're you're really in for it. Um, and uh, all the you know so many people in our family, people we care about, they're they're suffering under all that snow, and here we are, you know, worried about a high surf advisory and uh, UV rays. <laughs> So, so not only is my voice a little tired, it's a little, a little guilt ridden. So if you're going to be picking up any of those vibes today, that's probably what it is. And I'm trying to be quiet all at the same so time. Should, really, the great conditions should feel guilty. Yeah. <laughs> well, and how? <laughs> see, that's that's the thing. And how are you doing in South South Bend, Indiana? Like 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 we're three months ago, six months ago. <laughs> how are things in West Michigan? It's good. It's very cold. No snow yet. I don't know how much uh, you're going to leave us. Uh, when it blows through your neck of the woods in in the Minnesota, but we're expecting a little snow, so gearing up for that. Yeah, but I'll tell you this big weather system that stretches. I looked at the weather the other day, and it was like literally from California to I don't know Maine. There was like one big weather system. Yeah, uh, sort of you know tying the whole mainland together. Yep. Which I will say, Dan, one of the things when you come to Hawaii and also people in Alaska and people that are in the territories that the United States still controls, you know, um, you, you realize that most of the time people say the United States and what we really mean are the the states that are on the on the continent. Yeah. You know? Not the not the islands, not Alaska, not, not the territories. Mm-hmm. But I'm very sensitive to that now, of course, because you know I'm just out here and uh, yeah. and it also tells you that you know a country is like. It's a notion. It's an idea. It's a set of relationships. It's agreements that you have. It's not just landmass. So, um, yeah, I guess we could spend a little time this morning talking about a member of Congress, Marjorie Taylor Greene, suggesting that the country go through a divorce and separate <laughs> yeah. reds and blues. Um, someone clearly projecting her own life situation on the rest of the country. We want yeah. to spend our, we got, our whole we time got talking deep about into that. that yesterday on the politics day. Me and Rob were yeah. Uh, what a I mean, thing really for a congressperson to say out loud. To, and then just go on shows and defend it. Like I've seen her out there saying, no, yeah. you know, most of the time someone says something dumb, tweets something, then they backtrack. And I didn't really mean it that way. She's like, right. no, I think, in fact, once we do this, <laughs> uh, people will need a waiting period of three to five years if they move to a red state before they're allowed to vote. Did you hear this interview? No. 
yeah, truly a cooling off period oh so gosh. that Democrats fleeing uh, these blue states for the red states won't uh, destroy all the red states. So they won't be able to vote for the first three to five years. <laughs> it's just crazy just, talk. It's just, it's just nutty, though. That's just wild. bizarre. But yeah, today look, is we, faith we day. We spend our time trying to bring us together. But today, yes, we can talk about something that brings us together rather than talking about politics, which tends to divide, which is religion, because that's never divided people. <laughs> religion's never caused people to feel, Speaking feel like of they're things on one that side or the other. Everyone can agree on. Uh, the He Gets Us ads. This, uh, this headline from the BBC said... He gets a Super Bowl Jesus commercial angers both left and the right. So no one's happy with it. <laughs> yeah, so people who don't know this, there was a there is a campaign that's been going on for a number of months and will go on for a few years. It's been it's projected to and it's an ad and media and messaging campaign. Um put out by a consortium of funders, a group of people from if if you put religion in the in the typical spectrum of progressive to conservatives right which i'm not sure actually religion fits very well there so we we should probably talk a little bit about that today how sometimes when you lay one system of spectrum onto another system of spectrum it it doesn't work well like uh like if you think about a, a sofa a couch depending on where you're from by the way dan did you grow up calling the large piece of furniture in the living room or the family room a sofa or a couch Couch. Sofa felt fancy. Couch. Like my grandmother had a sofa, you know, and we weren't allowed to sit totally. in the Sofas special room. Where the, yeah, there's, yeah. A, yeah, there's a, a store by me that sells this kind of furniture in there. They call them uh, sofas and more. And, and it's not nice stuff. So apparently some people, I'm a couch guy too, right? So if you think about a couch, there's a lot of descriptions of, of a couch, right? The height, the the width, the depth, the fabric, the fabric texture, the fabric color. Like there's just a lot, but they all kind of go into making up, making up the couch. Sometimes in our, in our civic life, we have, it's like a couch. We have all these different elements that make it up. Some that are measured on a spectrum of left to right. Some that are measured on a spectrum of inclusive or exclusive. Some that are measured on a, on a spectrum of kindness to niceness. Some that are measured on a spectrum of you have to earn it or it's just given to you. You just get it for nothing, right? And you can go through a lot of things in our society and describe those. You know, like we have decided that um, sidewalks are free. Anyone can walk on a sidewalk. Roads, some are free. Some you have to pay for. Driveways private. Like we have all these different ways that we organize this, uh, almost the very same space, right? You could have a driveway that cuts across a sidewalk and goes onto a road. And you have all of these different measurements and different uh, considerations to go into how you think about these issues. And I don't know that religion is just as clean as conservative or, poli or, or progressive as it can feel like it is in politics. Holding that for a bit on the continuum of conservative to progressive kinds of people and thinkers that sometimes map over political uh, spaces as well. The people behind this He Gets Us campaign tend to be from the middle of religion, middle-ish, to conservative. Those are the people f mostly funding this ad. Most of the money is not coming from people whose religion would feel uh, statedly or intentionally 
progressive or statedly, you know, um, uh, trying to engage in the in the civic life in a in a progressive uh, liberal kind of way. So it tends to be middle to uh, conservative oriented people. But I do think it's kind of important to recognize that religion, um, especially Christianity in America, doesn't just one for one map over these issues. Like if someone's religiously conservative or a Christian conservative doesn't mean that they're going to map onto political ideas that are conservative or resist political ideas that are progressive. They might have a conservative religion and a conservative politics, but they don't necessarily mm -hmm. always relate uh, what one-to-one. And that's what's coming up, I think, in this He Gets Us campaign, is that some people who are very politically conservative are part of putting their money into this messaging campaign. And that's what's confusing people. So uh, at least my take on it today is going to have a lot to do with people are not upset about the messaging. Mm -hmm. They're upset about the messengers. So what bothers them mostly, most of the people that I know who have deep critiques about this, and I think are worth listening to these critiques, they're bothered by who's putting the money into it and what else are they doing and what's their ultimate motive and what do they want to see happen? Some things that are different from the actual content of the, of the message itself. Yeah, I think that's accurate. You know, the, the ads feature, you know, scenes of people yelling at each other in this particular version and you know, kind of a lot of conflict. And then at the end, uh, words on the screen that says, Jesus loved the people we hate. And on mm -hmm. the surface, it's like, that's a great message. No one's mad at Jesus yeah. in these ads, you know? The frustration, like you right. pointed out, comes more from the messenger. And uh, Trisha in the chat says, the message of the commercials is good, but the people funding it, the hypocrisy is maddening. It's yeah. definitely a situation of not practicing what you're preaching. I think that's the yeah, main see, critique see, is, I've been hearing. Yeah, for sure. Look, it's and and the same thing will happen for people when when progressively uh, politically progressive people put out a message. I get this we get this kind of stuff if yeah. it'll come good if people think that we're progressively leaning they'll say, "Well, okay, your yeah, your stuff you say about religion might be might be right, but your real motive is and then they assign to us uh, some other implication some other mm -hmm. outcome so so that happens and i think this he gets us campaign I, i'm i'm not as bothered by this and here's about who's behind it and what their ulterior motive is and here's why messaging campaigns don't often lead people down some sort of ladder of engagement mm -hmm. to a future belief or action right and if we're going to get into what's deep in your heart and therefore if what you ultimately want is something i don't want then there's nothing good you can say then there's nothing good you can contribute i think we're making a huge mistake i think it's not true that people who are wrong about really important things can't also be right about other things right one of the one of the things we just all know to be true is none of us are right about everything and no one is wrong about all the things so can we allow for people who we, with whom we greatly disagree and want a different outcome for our world or even a different outcome of a messaging to still have content that they contribute to the world that is good and right and accurate? And I, 
so before we even get into what are they actually saying in this campaign and why do we think it's this or that, I think that's something that we're going to have to, we should all recognize is happening to us. It's what's coming up. It's the, it's the subtext to the frustration mm-hmm. of, of, uh, of, of this kind of thing. And it really, it really does beg this question. Can we allow, do, do, if, if I were taking a Jesus at, uh, approach to this, there, there's times in the, in the gospels where Jesus says two things things that feel very contradictory. One time Jesus is quoted with the phrase, if they're not against us, they're for us. Another time, if they're not for us, they're against us, right? So yeah. which is it? <laughs> right. Right. Um, one and, of the frustrating like things about Jesus. He, yes, and is it one of those one of those places where there's a misattribution or a misquote or what's going on, you know, and, and philosophers and theologians and historians should uh, and commentators should take their swing and all that. But this question of how right do people have to be before they can be right about something else that's important. Mm -hmm. In other words, could the Hobby Lobby uh, uh, people behind the Hobby Lobby court case, Supreme Court case that wanted to create a limitation for the demand of the government on making people pay for contraception in healthcare plans. I mean, a totally, you know, dry, boring argument on its surface, but not at all. The Hobby Lobby case that the Supreme Court ruled on was a religious freedom case and said that a private company, because of its owner's religious stance, can have an exemption from giving people contraception care in their healthcare plans. I think it's a bad Supreme Court precedent. I don't think they should. I think it's a bad thing for the the company to want to do. I think contraception is a good thing, not a bad thing. So we can argue about all those points over and over, and we should. Those are the people, some of the money for this campaign came from those people. So can they be wrong about that politically, but be right about saying, we need a story publicly about Jesus where Jesus isn't being the mascot for cruelty, for unkindness, for excusing violence and insurrections, for being the, the, the rationale for people's divisions in the country. Can we put out a messaging campaign and can that group be involved in a messaging campaign that says, look, Jesus doesn't want to be a divider like that while being the people for whom others say you're doing the divisions in the country. Like, can we allow people to live inside of what to us feels like a contradiction and to them does not? Can we allow for that? That's really the fundamental, um, that this, this ad campaign just brings up that issue that exists in our society, right? Yeah. Like this, uh, he gets us media campaign, which is mostly TV commercials. And I think some radio and print ad commercials, which has lots of these things about kind of telling the, the more more kind story about the teachings of Jesus and what Christianity ought to mean in America. That campaign is not, it is not um, causing this philosophical riff. It's mm-hmm. not like people are sitting around saying like, well, I, this has really put me into quite a quandary. What it has done is triggered the response that is rooted in this question. Can we allow people for with whom we disagree to say something agreeable on another matter that we also think is important. Yeah, I think it's interesting too. We've gotten so uh, into our binary teams. Yeah, we anything happens in the world now. Any ad comes out, any breaking news, 
whether it's weather balloons or Biden's trip to Ukraine or a Super Bowl ad, we have yeah. to immediately figure out what is my team saying about this. And so it, yeah. very quickly you saw people, I was at a Super Bowl party and people started, uh, even before the ads aired, they'd heard that these ads were going to air. And people were asking like, well, what are these good or bad? Even before seeing them for themselves, you know, the, People is are trying right? to figure out what, what to think about. What did the people at your Super Bowl party feel about it? And uh, they thought it was pretty speaking, good. When they, yeah, saw they, they thought, oh, yeah. that's a nice message. And so sometimes I think yep. we we want to find a point of division where there doesn't need to be one. We want to find a reason to hate the thing that uh, the people on the opposition are doing. And that can be a little frustrating sometimes. Because part yep, of me boy, is like... I hear you. Man, I wish uh, I wish more Christians were saying more of this, you know, <laughs> because we on this podcast spend so much time, you know, highlighting the really horrible things that Christian politicians say and do in the world, and we're always mm-hmm. saying like, man, I wish they just would act a little more like Jesus would, and then here we have uh, you know, some people at least trying to bring the words of Jesus to the fore. And we'll still find a way to to nitpick it and tear it apart. Yeah, totally. Yeah, look, and and the the temptation to assign motives to people's behavior is strong. That's a real temptation. And sometimes in socialization and how a human being lives with other human beings in the world, you have to interpret people's intentions. Right? We do this all the time. You learn social clues. Someone's walking toward you. They have a smile on their face. Their arms are starting to go open wide. You think they're going to embrace you until you sort of realize, oh, they're gesturing to someone just behind you or just to the side of you. <laughs> I, may, I may have had that happen in an airport a couple of days ago. Well, you're supposed to read those clues, right? You see someone coming and they open their arms and they smile. You're, you are allowed to and you should insert intention into those actions and behaviors. That's how we live, right? That's that's what we do. But then there's other times where someone's action, if they're not intending it to have a different message, if they're not trying to do something in addition to the very action or words that they're speaking, then it's inappropriate to assign other meaning to that. And being able to differentiate those two things so much of the critique for this He Gets Us campaign is, well, what they really want to do is get people onto their website, and that's going to drive them into conservative churches, and then conservative churches are going to recruit them to be politically conservative, and then it's going to activate them. So really, all of this is a guise for recruiting more people into a political scheme. I don't see any indication that that's true on, on this campaign. Um, and here's why in my limited experience that that I don't think that that's happening now it, they could be doing it in a stealth way they don't recognize one is I went on the website and, and filled out the form and signed up for the text messages and have received nothing from them zero so if that's what they're doing if they're going to spend one billion dollars over a month over a few years on this campaign and the big rollout was spending whatever ridiculous amounts of money to be able to have it aired during the Super Bowl and they're not doing any of the follow-up stuff that that 
uh, the web, like the website's like, hey, if you have a prayer request, send it in to us and we'll have some people pray for it. Like that's what's happening. So I don't think there's some huge alternative uh, ulterior motive that's that's going on. And secondly, look, there's enough people using religion and civics or religion and politics to do negative things and they're telling you what they're doing. <laughs> we don't have to assign right. bad intentions to other actions. These people are doing it straight up. Like there is no no hesitation to what they want the outcome to be. As we do it, and we're going to be launching next week our our um, confronting Christian nationalism uh, training podcast that's going to come out. And anybody listening to this is going to love is going to love that multiple part series that takes our training and puts it in a podcast form. And some of the people that you'll hear interviewed in that podcast say things like. Oh no, we're trying to use churches to move forward a political conservative agenda. That's 100% what we're doing. So I guess what I'm saying is on this one, these same people that might fund this might also fund some other things, but look, most of the funding for this comes from people that want to be apolitical or want believe that they're apolitical and don't have a direct, a direct political, a political side to it. Yeah. So that's my take on, on sort of the, the, overall impression. Do, do you have any further take on that? And then I want to talk a little bit about the actual content of the, the words that they've chosen for the ads that we've seen. No, I think we can get into a little later, like the idea of being apolitical is nice. I think it's um, not as helpful as people think it is. <laughs> I think usually no, yeah. when people say they're apolitical, it favors the status quo, which is broken and doesn't work for a lot of people. And so this yeah. whole like let's all get along thing sounds good mm -hmm. and I wish wish it were true and wish we could, but things need to change so that yep. a lot of people can just live their lives. Yeah. And look, this that's so important because look, this ropes in, as Jim writes in the chat, this ropes in the conversation about the behavior of private companies, Chick-fil-A or Hobby Lobby or others. And Jim writes, you know, the Chick-fil-A puts, uh, hires people that are gay and transgender and lets them work in their system and their company and supports them like they did everyone else. Meanwhile, also gives money to conservative causes that want to restrict rights of those very same people. So companies themselves are really complicated. The United States is really complicated, right? <clears throat> Anybody who knows about important social issues in the United States knows that we're dealing with a situation where the country has one thing that it says and another thing that it does both at the at the government levels and at the implication level in the country yeah. so no organization country movement is 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 pure and i also want to make a, a comment about maryland's yeah uh, i wanted to talk about that as well comment here she says uh, uh what <laughs> blah yeah, blah blah all those uh millions could have helped people talk is cheap words without actions don't count that was part of my initial reaction to I I just think of the dollar amount and think of all the struggling nonprofits in the world that could use that money for good but then you step back and realize people spend tons of money on things that don't serve a purpose other than you know like art and music and things that make the world a little more beautiful but don't fill someone's belly we still see those as worthwhile so I think this argument ultimately sort of falls flat as a critique of this particular thing. What are your thoughts yeah, I'm on with that? You. Look, it, 
Well, yeah, I mean, very similar. Look, I, I mean, I, I have three different ways I go on this. One, one is it's not that much money. Okay. I'm so look, so someone who just said, Oh, hang on a minute, fella, these guys are going <laughs> to spend a billion with a B, a billion dollars over X number of years. And then we get to and, and you know, how I'm, much I'm, we spend on potato I, chips. <laughs> well, thanks for bringing that up. I, sometimes seven, I feel like I'm pushing that up. Seven people. billion annually on we potato spend seven chips. billion dollars a year on just potato chips, not even including corn chips or Cheetos. Uh, like it's just potato chips. The amount of money spent on the Super Bowl ads alone, billion dollars, just in that two and a half hour football game over the course of the NFL or advertising as a whole or how much money it takes to do this or that. Why do we spend money like that in this country? Because words actually do matter. <clears throat> so I could be sort of a commentator on uh, how things work in, in the world, or it could be a philosopher and say, words are action. If you don't think words are action, say, I love you to someone that you feel like you have hostility between, or say, I despise you to someone you love and tell me words don't have actions. Tell me words are meaningless. Words are not meaningless. Words carry incredible power. Words frame and shape how society understands itself. Mm -hmm. Of course, words matter. That's why some of us are careful about the pronouns that we use. We think it matters that we know someone's name and pronoun and social place. It's the casual cruelty of words that we saw in a former president that many of us wanted to have replaced. Words matter. And I'm not yeah. even talking yet about like, that's why preachers preach and singers sing and poets mm -hmm. write. Because yeah, absolutely words do matter and if we're going to have us we have a society that feels like people of cruelty and exclusion have hijacked the story of jesus and somebody wants to come out and say hey i want to tell as many people that will listen that jesus was a refugee and one of the ads the one that i really uh, connected with was this jesus is a refugee and it starts mm -hmm. out with a story about a family having to leave a place of violence and going to another country for safety and that was mary and joseph and jesus because jesus was a refugee and jesus gets us the the phrase jesus was a refugee is a really good phrase now you might live like a refugee is also a great phrase from Tom Petty in a song I'm working on, but Jesus was a refugee. That's a really good thing to remind people. Especially as we're having all these debates about refugees wanting to enter our country and that idea being politicized. This is a great message for conservatives to be saying and hearing. 100%. Marilyn, I get where you're coming from and so many people feel the same way and it's not a wrong impulse, but it's, it's that, yeah, we should make sure that, that this money goes to the places, that it goes to the places that we need it to go to. But also, we need to fund the words that people say. It really does. Look, when Donald Trump stood up and said things like, they're criminals, they're rapists, they're bad people. No, they're not. They're refugees. They're people in need. The words matter because mm -hmm. the words carry connotations. Now, I get it that also in religion, one of the things I've really loved about the Christianity that I find myself engaged in is that faith without works is dead. And you can't say to someone, stay well and, you know, and, and be uh, or, uh, all the best to you and be well fed and mm -hmm. not do anything. There's text in 
that's 2000 years old in texts from, you know, day after yesterday, where people are saying you do that kind of thing and you're really violating the very faith you hold to. Mm-hmm. I get it. But they're not saying here, care for the poor and then not caring for the poor. They're saying there's another message that we need to care about. And a third point on, on this for me is, look, I'll tell you folks, if you're bothered by the message of the He Gets Us campaign and the people who put their money behind it, here's what you don't want to do. Compare your giving to the people who gave money to this as far as how much you've given to help the poor. Look, truthfully, conservative people, conservative religious people, conservative political people give more money to on the ground needs to care for people than do progressives. Mm-hmm. It's not even close. In fact, one of the big arguments that comes from the conservative side is that conservatives want to say that individuals should be giving money to care for these needs. They run housing programs, they run programs for kids, they run school programs, they build housing, they rush into crisis situations, they do it all the time. Progressives tend to say, we need a system and structure where our tax base is also caring for those people. Mm. So the big argument is about, should our tax base do it so we're all included? Should individuals do it on their own charitable side? Now, I think we should have both. And I think both sides should say to each other, let's let's be left foot and right foot about this and run really fast toward these solutions, not just hop on one foot. Until there are, you know, federal or state funded systems to lift people out of poverty and we need to privately be funding the nonprofits that that are actually doing the work and helping people and a lot of times it is and the good conservative neighbors that that are funding through that I, I mean look here's the thing that sort of drives me crazy is i watch people in church around this issue of you know jesus's refugee and the refugee work that we do and the border work Super conservative people are down on the border and on on the other side of the mm-hmm. U.S.-Mexico border in Mexico, doing really great work trying to stop the causes that are forcing immigration, but then voting for people who say crazy stuff like build a wall and they're the enemies and they're invading us and it's an invasion. So for so many reasons, the argument of the money could be better spent doesn't really work. I promise you the reason that Cheetos runs an ad or a, or Miller brewing company runs an ad in the school is because they know that those behaviors, the behaviors are influenced by the words that they're communicating. Mm. So if we could be communicating some words that are, you know, Jesus is on the side of the refugees and we should not hate each other. And Jesus loves the people you hate. I, I'm just going to be all for that. I, I, it, it, I'll, I'll take it. And, you know, to get, if, if this was a Sunday sermon, I'd be saying, and, And you know what's a great example is the people Jesus surrounded himself with, at least in the Gospels that are most articulated, were the disciples, and there were 12 of them. Three of the 12, a quarter of them, were deniers, betrayers, and doubters. Thomas, who said, I don't believe it, and left. Peter, who said, I'm not with the guy, and allowed Jesus to be taken without uh, Peter's participation. And Judas, who turned on him. So if we're going to try to purify the ranks, Mm -hmm. make sure that only the right people doing the right things, believing the right stuff, well, then we're going to find ourselves, I think, just out of step with the the Jesus story as a whole. And there's a reason, I bring this up, because there's a reason that the gospel writers included those narratives. 
because yeah. they knew that there's going to be no group of people that get together and talk about any of the teachings and ways and life of Jesus that aren't going to have betrayers, doubters, and Judas's, uh, whatever, in the, in, in the mix. Uh, I forgot the third, the third thing. Deniers? So was it, I think yeah. it's just super important. Deniers. Thank you. Deniers, betrayers, and doubters. I, I think it's just really important that, um, that we recognize that, 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 that narrative and that, and that reality. It's important too to move beyond just grudgingly admitting when your opponent or someone on the other side gets something right. Like, okay, I guess uh, I'll give them that one. But to move past that and actually celebrate the good things about the people that you often find yourself in opposition to and things that you can learn from and grow. Because we get so focused on the things we want other people to change that we lose sight of the good that they're doing in the world as is. Uh, I spent some time in Haiti after the earthquake, uh, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. And um, one of the organizations that was on the ground providing immediate shelter was Samaritan's Purse. And this is an organization that was started by Billy Graham and run by, uh, you know, that, that family. And, uh, there are some problematic beliefs and policies within that organization. But when that disaster hit, they were the ones providing those immediate needs. And we would get pallets of these, uh, you know, quick build houses and then, you know, send them up the mountains and, and help people build them. But that's just an example of like, yeah, there are issues that we can talk about and, try to say you need to do better on this, but also celebrate like the generosity and goodness and try to imagine that the people on the other side really aren't like, <laughs> they're not out to get us. They're not out to, there's no ulterior motives for most people. Like they're really trying to make the world a better place and within their framework doing, doing the best they can. I mean, there's some totally. bad like actors people's... and, you know, but of in course, general. Yeah, yeah, there's scammers and, and looters and everything. And that's part of what turns so many of us against what we see in the Trump administration and the Trump people are like, these people are just coming into the religious spaces and looting. Yeah. They're just lying and taking and ginning up the worst elements and they're just hucksters and, 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 and the rest. Most people, as you say, if they're doing something good, it's because they believe they're good people wanting to do good things. Now, they could be wrong about other things that they mm -hmm. believe. Most of us are. Most of us are wrong <laughs> about something really important. And if you think you're not, well, good for you. Like, you know, live live well in that world. And if regret shows its, its face someday, just know you're not alone. The rest of us, you know, are, have been there, have been there as well. In fact, the, the phrase, the good Samaritan, where Samaritan's purse comes from, when Jesus says, let me tell you a parable about the good Samaritan. Some people know that story. You know, it's a person who's on the side of the road and religious leaders come by and don't help the person. And then a Samaritan comes by, takes the person to a hospital, says you can pay for the person's health care and gets the person back on their feet. And Jesus says, who, who did the right thing here? The Samaritan did. The only reason that story has meaning, it's not a meaning, it's not a story fundamentally about do we give our money to another person? The punchline of the story is in the phrase good Samaritan to the Jews that Jesus was speaking with of the day 
Samaritans were these people who were not religiously or ethnically pure Jews. Mm -hmm. Their their family histories had been people who had merged their culture with other cultures. The Samaritans were considered the lowest level bad people. Jews wouldn't go into the home of a Samaritan. They were the opposition. In fact, Samaritans were the people who they said were in concert with Rome that was going to hurt uh, the Jewish uh, families and Jewish communities and the Jewish nation. So there was political hatred between Jews and Samaritans, which is why when Jesus says, who does the right thing? Not the priest, not the Levite, not the religious leaders. The Samaritan was the good one. That's the whole point of the Good Samaritan story. <laughs> so I hear people talk about Good Samaritan stuff all the time, and then they act like if someone is not like they are and good and pure and right, then then they can only be bad. It's yeah. almost like it's one drop of bad makes somebody bad. And we know the history of where that comes from. That comes from a history of division and all the rest. So and Jesus gets, gets together with tax collectors. Yeah. And who else is in his little group of Matthew? Tax collectors. Again, people who are part of a political system that was raising taxes to oppress the Jews. So this idea of seeing that people's behaviors or beliefs or, or actions or histories or backgrounds is not the only thing that we should be hold, that we should be holding to and always holding against them it's the fundamental story of the whole thing and this again this this ad campaign just highlights this struggle and the thing i think is important about it is it's not a struggle of 2023 the reason we have it in a text in the gospels is because it was an issue in AD 23, right? And it was an, it was an issue with the, the Jews welcoming in the spies in the Jewish text. It was an issue in, you know, 500 BC. Like these are human issues that come to the surface and there's a better, there's a choice in how we're going to respond. And the better way it seems to me is that we, we get our minds around, around all this. Yeah. It's frustrating, too, on the more progressive side of things. We found this when we were doing work at the border or trying to put on events. There's uh, such a magnetic pull to purity within the you know, left progressive movement that you have all these like, oh, well, we can't work with this person because this person doesn't agree with us on this issue. We ran into that time and time again. And then we're down at the border and it's all these, you know, mostly very traditional conservative churches and pastors that have set up places for asylum seekers to get supplies and yeah. help them with travel. And it's just really frustrating at times. The It's really a fundamentalism on the left that hinders a, a lot of working together too. And yeah, some boy, of it's look, justified, I like I end. get it, I... I get the the desires and the urges, like, well, why would I work with this yes. person if if this and this and this? And yet, when it comes to like meeting the immediate physical needs of people and suffering, you're back to the Jesus question. If if they're not against us, they're with us. And I think you gotta at times work with people who have the same goals in mind. And this is the real struggle that a lot of us feel in any of the situations that we're in where we're feeling like, but am I somehow condoning the 
other behaviors of people if I do this work with them or if I support them or if I buy their product, if I eat their chicken sandwich, am I mm -hmm. actually then saying that I'm being silent about the things I disagree with them? Look, and that kind of, that's not only held on the right or the left politically. This is why I don't think that the political mapping, why I was talking about the couch and the sofa stuff earlier, is I don't think it actually maps purely over this. When people were boycotting Disney because they didn't like Disney or when Tucker Carlson doesn't want people to eat M&Ms or someone doesn't <laughs> want someone to eat at a Chick-fil-A or someone says, I can't work with you because the thing you said about another topic I disagree with means I can't work stand side by side with you and merge our money to help refugees or help the poor. That tendency is, a, is all over the place. And the reason that the scriptures of the Christian and Jewish texts, the reason that the life of the Christian church, the reason that the teaching is always, please be careful and don't do that, is because it is fundamentally destructive to the human, to the human endeavors if we, yeah. if we do such things. Another example of this uh, kind of polarity I've seen is with this, uh, what's being described in Asbury, Kentucky as a revival. This, uh, they're going on two weeks of nonstop worship services. I think they're bringing it to a close or maybe have already. But a lot of people got really excited about this and then a lot of people had strong reactions against it. I grew up in a you know tradition where I have some baggage from stuff like this. And so I immediately got real cringy and suspicious. And then I sat back and tried to examine my own reactions to that and dig a little deeper and uh, have since, you know, kind of softened my, my view on this. But what are your thoughts when you see something like this in the news and see the wide range of reactions toward this Asbury revival? Well, it was, it was, my, my reaction was similar that I have a reflection, a reflexive response to revivalism. It's a, it's a category of religion in America. There's a revivalist, stream. So if you don't study religion or pay attention to it, you might never use the word revivalist movements. They're a big deal. Um, <clears throat> they're as, as compared to other ones, which use another system of inclusion, how people end up growing in their spirituality or including people, right? So revivalism is from a particular stream, very powerful and large stream of American religion. Um, it's not my favorite. I, I, I'm, a, I'm an evangelist at heart. I want people coming into the story. I want to go out and invite people to join in the story of God in the world and be a part of the healing. I love the evangelism side. The revival thing where like someone's like, my life isn't quite good enough and I need to change it and I need to dig down deeper and pull myself. It's, it's rooted in a whole lot of things that I think are counter to the very spirituality that people want, right? Like I think freedom and flow and grace is better than gritting it out and dealing with your sin and and, and um, obsessively compulsively responding to things right my, my response to these things so not super into it personally not really my thing but for a lot of people way into it it's i was talking with a friend who i trust a lot about this um these kinds of things and he said you know when people go to concerts they just come undone you know <laughs> in, a, right. in a musical situation right that's the point that's why yeah. you go you know, um, you want that because that's a great human response and it can be such a good, powerful thing. So in these revivals where there's music and someone says words that have power and you're being affected, good for that, good for all of that stuff kind of mm -hmm. ha happening and going on. What I found trippy about this one is that it 
reached a news story level, right? We're talking about it now. It's on yeah. CNN. Like, why is this a news story? How did this happen? And again, if there's going to be a news story about religious people doing a thing, taking their faith more seriously and wanting to be better at it, good news story. That Jesus doesn't hate you, great news story. Um, <laughs> right. There's some movies coming out soon that are like, there's always a big open heart with God. You should have a big open heart too, just public movies, you know, not just Christian movie stuff. Like, I'm so glad to have that stuff in the world rather than so much of the toxic Christianity that I see being, being spread and all the rest. The thing I don't care for about the story of the Asbury revival is people getting on airplanes and flying there to go see it. <laughs> like, what if if it's true that people are having a great, beautiful spiritual experience? It's not location dependent. This is my, my friend who I was referring to earlier also made this point. It's not the spirit of God's not in some places and not other places. You might see a sort of flare up of something and have it be noticeable, but like you don't have to go anywhere to find goodness and revival and people doing great things. It's all over. I guess if you were nearby and you said, I know some people, I could go. But the idea that 50,000 people were making pilgrimage and trek to watching college students and others in a small chapel of a private college sing songs <clears throat> for 24 hours a day for a couple of weeks and, and say words, people went to it as if there was something they could get out of it. That's the part that strikes me as odd. There's like revival hunters. They're like tornado chasers <laughs> and they hear about them somewhere and they go yeah. there and they want to see them and they want to observe them and they want to take notes and they want to like, that's not. And, and look, I'm not talking about a bunch of people that gave up their lives to follow the band fish around the country or, you know, <laughs> I was just going to say a lot of people uh, you know, uh, you know, travel long <clears throat> distances to see their favorite band or go to a music festival but this does seem to That's what I'm saying. I'm yeah. not talking about that. Like if people are super into that, but there's an observer kind of, oh, the thing that we've wanted to happen in America is now happening and now it's going to roll out over America. And I even say it in that kind of championing voice, right? Because that's the thing that people did. That's the thing people were writing about on social media. That's the mm -hmm. kind of thing that's in the press of conservative presses. Hey, maybe not. And it I don't like the word hijacked all the time, but this one feels like it. Like they took this and then tried to repurpose it in some other re for some other reason. So I was rather proud of the head of this college and the groups that were making this decision to say, we think it's time to bring this thing to an end because it's starting now to turn into this. Yeah. And if you don't know that, that the, this is a spectacle in which people start to build a brand around, there's entire... People who study revivalism can say in the last 25 years, here's been the revivals. There was one in Toronto. There was one in Kansas City. There was some, something in, in Southern California. Like they name them their, 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 their tent posts in the revival tent that people describe, mm -hmm. right? So really mix the metaphor. Some of those go way back to historic events. Revivals were used as one of the primary means to recruit people into the slavery abolitionist movement to get people to stand against slavery. They used revivals. Preachers went around. In fact, the altar call, the thing that asked people to come down front, are you feeling something right now? Stand up, walk forward. I got into Christianity in that kind of a thing. It was not a revival, but it was a, an event like that. Like, hey, 
step up, come forward, you know, wake up, speak up, stand up and get down here and get involved in all this stuff. Well, that stuff was started by people who, when they forward, they were registering them to be active abolitionists to stop slavery in the United States in the 19, mm -hmm. in the 1860s and late 1850s. And you would never an critique that. It was an abolitionist movement. You would never critique that as saying like, well, they had some music and they were being emotionally manipulative and so that's always bad. It's only bad when you don't get the results you want. And I, I totally understand the dangers of it. Like you get hyped up on God and music and you haven't slept much, you haven't eaten in you know, a day or whatever. Like you're in a vulnerable place. And so that is a concern with situations like this, especially when people start coming in from all over but just 100%. the fact that look just the fact that music and things move you toward action that's that's exactly what we want in humanity like <laughs> that's why we have music <laughs> that's why <laughs> And I, I want to say this to too. Play the guitar a year ago because of that, it moves right. people. That's yeah. what you wanted to do. And I want to say this too. I was talking to a friend of mine. We've been friends since first grade. He grew up in one of these more Pentecostal churches. I grew up in, you know, more uh, German, like Wesleyan, Arminian. You don't speak in tongues, kind of thing. And he's deconstructed. He's out of it. I hadn't even heard about this revival stuff. And uh, he's like. Wow, you know, my initial reaction is like that is really troubling and problematic because like you know when I was in middle school and high school like these sorts of gatherings, these you know church services uh, where you could sing and feel accepted unconditionally he's like that literally helped me survive middle school and high school, not in like a metaphorical sense like you had severe depression and like these moments kept him alive and helped him feel connected with the divine, helped him feel connected to others. So um, that was another confirmation of just maybe we should be hesitant in writing off the whole thing, even if we had some bad experiences. And that doesn't mean if you Great had bad, point. like if you had bad experiences, you do not need to participate in these for sure. No, look, <laughs> look there, there, are, there are rules and laws in place about buying timeshares, that if you buy a timeshare at a timeshare place, you have 24 hours to reconsider it and they have to give you back all your money. <laughs> in the state where I live, there's a rule about buying a car. It's 36 hours or five days or something. Like you can buy a car. If you decide you didn't want it, you can bring it back. They have to give you your money back, right? Mm. These are rules put in place because they know that Timeshare sales pitches are high pressure situations that people make decisions they don't want. Purchasing a car for a lot of people is one of the larger purchases in their life and they can be in difficult situations. They can have great life impact. So the government says, hey, there's going to be rules about how you sell that stuff. You can't sell that stuff. Like you, if you buy a, you know, if you buy a energy drink at the store and you leave with it, they don't have to return your money in the energy drink, but a car, a timeshare, a house, <clears throat> There's a cooling off period and then you can reconsider it and change, change your idea. That should be baked into every revival, right? Hey, whatever thing you had happening to you in that moment, the preacher should say, if tomorrow you reconsider, it's okay. 
We want you to make an emotionally informed, passioned decision. When you're moved by the music or the spirit or the person or the preacher or the scene, that that's when we come to life and find parts of us that we didn't know existed somewhere else, right? That's how literally people fall in love and become musicians or have spiritual movements. They're great. And then we should say to someone, but if a few days later you're like, I think I was manipulated. Okay. <laughs> then you should yeah. back off of that thing. Right? Yeah. There should almost be like, a disclaimer with to, these. Like, you're going to feel there things. There should be a disclaimer. Yeah. <laughs> I have done a lot of youth camps that are built around this model back in my old days, right? Friday night talk, Saturday morning talk, maybe Saturday afternoon, Saturday night talk that gets kids to commit to something important yep. in their life. Sunday morning, I used to give talks like this, like, hey, if whatever happened last night, you decide in a week from now, you're not into it, leave the shame behind. Talk to your parents, talk to other people. Like this stuff is meaningful to you and to others because it actually is real. If it was just ginned up fakery, okay, <laughs> then, then leave it as a, wow, that was a wacky experience. Like maybe I shouldn't have bought the t-shirt at the, at the band uh, table <laughs> right. at the end of the thing. Cause you know, I'm really not that into the band. I was just into the minute. And I think we don't if it's... want our spirituality to be manipulative, right? but we also want it to be impassioned and we want it to drive people to do something they wouldn't do if they were just sitting on their chair. I mean, look, we do these podcasts because we want people to listen and hear and read people's comments and be in all this because we want them to do something they wouldn't do if they just sat there by themselves. That's mm -hmm. the reason people do things, right? <laughs> right. It's to be alive and moved. This is, the, this is why the He Gets Us, this Asbury thing are part of the same flow. We want people to be impacted and changed. I don't want anyone to ever be manipulated or have their agency taken from them. Mm -hmm. Both of those things need to be alive and well all the time. Yeah, and I think if it's not leading you toward deeper love and acceptance for yourself and others, then it's a bad scene. But look, if you have a crazy time at the revival and it compels you to love your refugee neighbor a little more or donate more to the shelter or whatever, great. If it causes you to want to, I don't know, vote for horrible people that are targeting trans kids, maybe you've been manipulated into something that's a bad scene. Yep. And the and the space in between that is what maturity, human and spiritual maturity allows you to start to to tell the difference, right? Mm -hmm. Is when was this breeding self-hate or hatred of others? And when was it breeding love and self-love? And that, that's what we should be about. And those of us who are out pushing love, which I'm glad to be a love pusher, we need to do the kinds of things that work for people. And you know what works for people? Well, ad campaigns work for people. Revivals work for people. Concerts work for people. People out recruiting other people into it and saying, come along, it's great. Come in the water, it's beautiful in here. Like that's the stuff we have to do. L love needs as much human engagement and support as anything else. Like these are all human endeavors when it involves human beings and we should be humanly involved and humanely involved in in all this. Yeah. Feel like a good place to wrap it up? It does. And it looks like the sun is out behind you in uh, in beautiful Maui. So you got to get out there go for the rest the day of us. Out there. Okay. While we're uh, getting exactly. snowed on. And... <laughs> okay. All right. I will. Yeah, that's what I'm really doing. You're welcome, everyone. I'm glad to go. Uh, you know, spend a little time out in the, <laughs> but the thanks Maui's for everyone side. in the chat uh, thanks for the conversation thanks for hanging with us uh, I think it's a great conversation to have and examine why we have strong feelings about certain things 
and, uh, and dig a little deeper on it. And usually we're better together. So thanks for being with us on this one. Glad to see you. Bye, everybody. Bye.